0: If you enjoy Beyond the Blocks and want to hear more episodes from more creators on the Roblox platform, be sure to stick around to the end of the episode for information on how to support our media content. With that said, enjoy the episode. Today we're joined by a Roblox player-turned-developer who is a systems engineer for Supersocial, a company creating new immersive experiences on the Roblox platform. Join us as we find out how his 10 year long journey led him to the forefront of developing for the metaverse. Let's go Beyond the Blocks. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Blocks, the podcast all about the robots platform and game development. I am, of course, your host, Bantec, and we're joined by Mr. Async today. So hello, Mr. Async, and welcome.
1: Hello, hello. Thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> no worries. So you're a systems engineer with SuperSocial, a-, a relatively new studio that raised $5.2 million in funding to create games in the metaverse. Uh, the company has been expanding the team, picking up some big names like Slightnik, who some people may know as, as CrazyMan32. Um, But before we dive too deep into the present and all the amazing things going on at the moment, let's first go back to where you started. So a lot of people we've been chatting to recently are kind of in this pool of long-time Roblox users, and I think you fit into that group having been on Roblox for about 10 years. Um, As my regular listeners know, I'm always super interested with how people first found the platform um, and what kept them here for so long. So how did you first hear about Roblox?
1: Yeah, so I was eight years old when I first made my account on Roblox and I, I had a neighbor who who's older than me he was in high school when I was in eighth grade and he was playing Roblox at the time and when I would go over to their house uh to play wiffle ball or to, to swim in their pool or whatever um, we'd play Roblox on their laptop and just naturally I got intrigued and that's just kind of where it started made my own account with my parents permission and that, that kind of kicked off my my liking for the platform
0: Awesome. So there's this lovely, sweet image that you posted on Twitter, uh, I think last month of of you meeting David Buzuki in in 2013 as a player of Roblox, um, and again in 2021 as a successful developer at RDC this year. Um, So firstly, what's the story behind that 2013 pick, and and how did that come about?
1: (laughs) Yeah, so in 2013, Roblox did one of their Bloxcon circuits in the US. Uh, They went to uh, Chicago, New York, and I think there was also one in London. And I live about four hours away from New York City, and my parents surprised me with tickets to Bloxcon 2013. Um, and so when I arrived at the Intrepid in New York City, there was, they handed out posters, they had demos of the new physics solver, and they had, like, you could buy fedoras and the cheese hat you could buy like actual hats. It was crazy. It was wild and and with those posters uh, You could go around and and Saranoc was there. I know um Ushiletsky was there. There were a lot of engineers were there a lot of people at Roblox and with these posters I was able to actually have it signed by David and now that picture Was not taken by like my parents or anybody that was taken by the photographers at BloxCon and I didn't even notice that picture until a few years ago I went to the, just like a, a nostalgic thing, went to the blog where Roblox had blogged the day in New York City of BloxCon. And I was scrolling through the pictures, and I found it. And I was like, I was amazed. I was like, oh my god, that's that's me. And so I saved the picture, and I've had it ever since. Um, and of course, I love the posters. So uh, when I got to get a picture with David this year uh, at, at RDC... I thought, what better way to, to spread it than to put it next to the first time I met him when I was a child and and kind of have this journey.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. It must have been so strange sort of seeing that on the blog. I, I assume in, in 2013 you were still very much a player of Roblox and not a developer.
1: Yeah, I, I had dabbled a little bit in free models and just kind of tinkering around in studio, but were definitely more of a player than, than a developer, for sure.
0: Awesome. How, how did it feel kind of taking the, the 2021 picture um, with David and and what does that picture mean to you especially when you place it next to that 2013 one you know 8 years apart
1: yeah that's actually that's a fantastic question it for me it's it's kind of a sense of achievement um i mean at a surface level right like he was there anybody can get a picture with him but to me personally it just means a lot because i've spent the last 5 years developing um, throughout all high school and college now still developed but even through high school and the tail end of eighth grade I spent a lot of my free time developing. I didn't really go out much. I didn't really do a lot I didn't pay attention in class because I was working instead like I, I, I spent a lot of time developing So to have these two pictures is really meaningful to me because it just kind of shows all my hard work paying off throughout the years um, From when I started as a player and, and then where I am now. It's kind of crazy
0: definitely i mean obviously a lot has changed since 2013 uh, obviously you've you've grown up by 8 years but but so has roblox as a platform what kept you here all of that time and kind of uh, at what point did that transition from a set of games into a development platform uh, for you through high school
1: yeah so i think i think i mean the the kind of transition point for me for going from a player to a developer it's literally Lumber Tycoon 2. Like, that is the sole reason why uh, I was a huge player of Lumber Tycoon 2, huge fan. And when the entire game was leaked, like server scripts, client scripts, and you could essentially download it and put it on your profile. That's when I really started working with programming. And I think it was the, the I was so intrigued with with how that game was written uh, because i have been playing it for so long. That I just wanted to learn it, right? I, I opened these scripts and I was confused. I was like, what, what is this? And so I just had a, a yearning to learn so that one day I could understand what that was. And I think that was what kickstarted my career. Uh, and then when I released my first game, it was, I wanted to chase success. I wanted to chase that. And I think that's what kept me on the platform is just chasing a successful game.
0: Fantastic. So let's jump forward to the present day. And I described Super Social earlier as a studio. Is that an accurate description or would you describe it differently? So
1: Super Social definitely could be considered as a studio. We just had a giant shift in the way that we operate. Uh, we kind of moved some some resources around uh, and, and kind of split up the teams. But the way that it works is... We have multiple games out right now, we have um, Ballista, Ghostopia, Pirates vs. Ninjas, um, and then another game in the works. And essentially each of these these games is a compartmentalized team within Super Social. And so when I first joined the Ghostopia team was quite large, there was 15 people working on that game. It was about 15 people, don't take my word for it, it was, it was a lot of people. And then Ballista and, and Pirates vs. Ninjas were smaller teams, about 4 people. And the idea is that Ghostopia was the flagship game of the company. And Ballista and, and Pirates versus Ninjas were part of our Labs program. And Labs is essentially, you can think of it as, we have a team that wants to make a game, and they come and join Super Social, and they're part of us, but they're still working together kind of in their own group. Now that restructure split apart the Ghostopia team and essentially m- meshed everybody together. So we still offer Labs, but we also have other employees, if you will, developers, that aren't necessarily assigned to one project. They kind of move around if that answers your question.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think it does very well. How is that with all the different people, the different working parts, and, and obviously you're creating things that different people within that team need to use as well.
1: Yeah, it's working. So first of all, the uh, Super Social is a fully remote company. So there's no headquarters, there's no single location. Um, there are pockets of developers. Like there are, there's a lot of people that work in from Seattle and from Brazil, but there's no central location. And so... Really, working for a company is, it's just a different environment. There's a level of professionalism, but also there's just a level of connection because we're all extremely passionate about what we're doing. And so there's no, I have yet to have a bad experience or an argument with anybody at Super Social. Um, it's an extremely friendly work environment. It's, it's a really good balance. I guess I can start at the level of the, the relationship between my, 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 my direct report. Peter and myself, um, you know, Peter comes from Big Fish Games, he worked at Big Fish Games for 15 years before coming to Super Social, and so he brings an immense amount of industry experience, um, and I bring a lot of Roblox experience, and so our dynamic and our synergy is really something that I'm extremely proud of, because, you know, he can give me the, the suggestions from an industry standpoint, and I can say, mm, that doesn't really fly on Roblox, or yeah, that's, that's possible, or no, it's not possible. Um, and so from that level, it's a good synergy. Now, when it comes to developing with people that I might not necessarily work with directly, you know, we take advantage of tools like Slack. We use Discord now, actually, um, as kind of like a dev floor, if you will, with open VCs where people can hop in and have a water cooler discussion just like you would in a real office. And so when it comes to working with other developers, we try to make it as organic as possible. And so if I need to talk to somebody, you ping them, hop in a VC just like you would in real life. And really, the mindset of working with other people is just having an open mind, right? Especially as a systems engineer, what I'm writing, okay, I want it to be good, but I'm also not the one using it. So you need to really talk to other people and say, hey, what are your use cases for this, or, or what features do you want? And it's really making a lot of decisions, a lot of small decisions, compromising, changing your 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 vision um, to really satisfy everybody. But it's, it's, it's working with somebody. And I think if you're still in school and you do group projects and you're put with random people, like definitely, definitely like take advantage of that and get to know how to work with other people because you're going to be thrown into a situation where, you know, my boss is like, Hey, I need you to talk to Dave and do this. And I'm like, cool. And I do it. Um, And so I think having those skills for communication and working with people is very important.
0: Definitely. It's it's fascinating kind of how the company works all remotely as well. Do you feel that there's sort of an extra pressure with it being a a company that has, um, you know, investors, venture capitalists, all that sort of stuff? Because for me, with my own little game studio, if things are, you know, going to be slightly delayed or you're a bit too busy or priorities change or whatever, it's really flexible. You don't really have to answer to anyone and no one's necessarily losing out on money if you do so. Is there kind of an added pressure with having, you know, investors and, and this big corporate structure essentially?
1: Sure. Um, I'm sure there's, there's pressures on some people. Um, I've yet to experience that. The, the, the and actual investors are sort of abstracted from like the rest of the company. Upper management, which is really just our CEO, our CFO, and our Tachi, who I forget her position name. I'm so sorry, Tachi. Um, but they kind of make up the upper management and, and they really deal with, with the venture capitalists more than anything else. Um, I know there was something when I was very early on in the company where there was a there was a board meeting with the investors and I had to put together some slides for what I was working on so that was a little you know like I was like oh shit like I got to like <laughs> I got to put this together for these like big guys who have a lot of money and it was a little scary but no definitely not on a day-to-day basis there's no pressure because you know it's a startup at the end of the day and you know it takes time for these things to work out and the the investors that we have were all plays in metaverse esque companies like Supercell um, with Clash of Clans and Clash Royale uh, and Discord as well. So these investors know their industry, and they know, so there's really no pressure, I don't think. I don't have any pressure, at least.
0: Yeah, that's good. Uh, definitely, if it's not fed through to the developers, that you can just do your thing. That That's ideal. So Ghostopia, which launched uh, its beta on the 23rd of September, is already nearing 1 million visits and highly rated by players. Um, and September's not miles after June, which is when you became... Systems engineer at Super Social. So I wondered sort of uh, individually, what's your involvement been with Ghostopia and with those lab projects? And have they been quite full on since taking that role?
1: Yeah. So I, I work in my own department, uh, DevTech. So I work under the technical director, Peter Yap. And together we're kind of working on this, this, the system called the Superstack, which is essentially a shared set of libraries that all engineers use at SuperSocial. So my direct involvement with Ghostopia, there were a couple of pull requests that I made for some UI changes, but really my, my involvement has been more for data analytics. That's been the biggest thing for me is writing this, this, this platform that we call, um, Looking Glass. And, and this is our, this is our analytics platform, which essentially is something new to Roblox. It's, it's only recently that Roblox developers have been getting into analytics and building analytic-driven games. But that's really what I've been working on is, is creating this system that's essentially a drag and drop solution. So the labs teams are taking advantage of it, and so is Ghostopia, where we, we have data being sent um, off Roblox to PlayFab, which is a Microsoft Azure uh, platform. And we're just able to query that data and, and kind of build our updates based on the data that we're seeing. And, and that's been the biggest thing for me is it's a lot of industry standard technologies. And, and so, like I kind of kinda of loop back to the the question. My involvement's more in developing these these back frameworks rather than actual gameplay stuff.
0: I got you. I, I imagine these analytics are probably quite important, especially with all the funding that Super Social has had, sort of proving to investors and stuff what's happening with the games and as you say, improving things, improving metrics, um, getting more people to, to spend time and money in the game, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, the, the analytics are, are extremely important. Um I mean, the industry of analytics itself is, is, is massive. And so for me, it's been, it's been an adjustment to, to kind of work with that. But really, it is, it is important. I mean, we have a principal analyst. So we have a, somebody who's completely dedicated to writing queries and, and giving us these insights. And, and that's the biggest thing for me is that the systems that I'm writing have to be extremely bulletproof because this data is money. This data is extremely important to, to what we do and the decisions that we make. And so, so writing these, is, is extremely important and that's fulfilling for me, but also definitely something new and it's all custom too, which is makes it harder. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I think you're right that a lot of robots developers don't really use analytics that much or don't really appreciate necessarily what it does. Obviously, it, it might not be as important when there's only one or two people in a team, but particularly if you're trying to, to boost your game and, and get it towards the kind of levels of, of success that you see on the, on the front page, you'll need that. 100%. Before taking your role as a systems engineer and focusing on this analytics side, um, you were a gameplay engineer for a little while, weren't you? How did that role differ from your systems engineer role and what prompted the change?
1: As a gameplay engineer, I've been kind of in and out of gameplay and systems for the past few years. And and the way that you can look at gameplay engineering is anything that a player's going to interact with, that's gameplay engineering. So, So pet systems, uh, housing systems, user interface systems, those are all gameplay engineering things. Uh, so, so as a gameplay engineer, some of the things that I worked on were my game yard work simulator. So, like the the actual mechanic of farming grass, that's all gameplay stuff. Systems engineering is the other side of that, and this typically happens on like the server side, where you're you're designing these as they're called systems, and and you're building them to do things. Right? Um, it, it's a vague thing to say, but for example the analytics system that I'm writing. Um, I basically am, am writing modules and services that then other developers are taking advantage of. Um, similarly to how Roblox just released a bundle of modules related to their new showcase place. I think they have like a emote bar. Um, it's something related to voice chat. So that's like what I would write. I would write a module now and then somebody else would use it and take advantage of it. And that's like really the big difference is that with gameplay engineering you know, you're working on something that players are going to see. It's, it's players who are going to interact with it and it's what makes the game. And systems engineering is what makes the game work. That's kind of the difference.
0: Yeah, I got you. Uh, and why did you change kind of role from gameplay engineer to systems engineer in June?
1: So it was it was definitely a, a, a long transition. I had started building systems, uh, I want to say in 2019 at a at a small company called Bloopville, Game in Progress. And they were asking for a, a pet system. And so really, that was kind of the role for me that, that kind of opened my eyes to systems engineering. Because I wasn't just writing a system. I, I wasn't just creating pets. I had to write a system that scaled, that could be added on in the future. And a lot of other engineers were going to directly interface with. And so that was really kind of my first introduction to writing these systems and kind of understanding the mindset that you need to be in. And I just kind of fell in love with it. I, I loved it way more than gameplay engineering. I I, I enjoy architecting systems and and solving problems. Mm. And that was just what clicked. And I liked it. And I've been doing it ever since. And uh, it's definitely something that I enjoy.
0: <laughs> awesome. So where is Super Social sort of as a company going in the next few years and, and where do you kind of fit into that roadmap with your systems?
1: Yeah, so so super social, right, obviously right now we're we're targeted towards Roblox, but we're much more than that. We're we're a metaverse company and and, and really what that means is is connecting platforms. So, you know, we have no dedicated plans right now that I can speak of, but you know, in the future, you might see us on Unity. You might see us on the um, Unreal Engine. You might see us on, on, on other game engines. And, and really the goal for, for us as a company is to do that what we need to do to build the metaverse. We're building games for players and for fans. Uh, we're not building products. So what's important to us is, is going where people are going. Um, so for example, VR has been kind of a stagnant industry for the past few years, but say VR was to take off. Um, then we're gonna go there, right? We're gonna go not where the money is, but where the people are because we want to build experiences for them. So we're kind of a fluid company in that sense. Roblox was, uh, an excellent place to start. I mean, obviously the company was founded before I joined, but speaking from what I've heard, you know, the reason that we started in Roblox was because that's where people are. Roblox is huge right now. It's public. It's a publicly traded company. And so that's why we're here. And and to kind of talk about where I sit in that, because I've spearheaded this interconnectedness of platforms, there's a lot of cross-experience systems that I'm building, right? You can buy an item in one experience and, and you'll have it in the other, and all that has to happen off-site on external servers. Um, I play a pretty important role in in defining what that's going to look like. And, and because I'm building experience and wisdom now, um, I'm going to kind of be the one spearheading these systems in the future. Leading a team of engineers to develop cross platform systems for, for, you know, if I want to send a message to somebody in a Unity game from Roblox, I can do that, right? That's, that's really what, what I do. Um, not necessarily just with data analytics, but, but in general is just, building platforms that really connect players together.
0: Absolutely. And and have you used any of those other platforms like Unity and Unreal Engine and stuff before or, or is that new for you?
1: Those platforms are, are relatively new to me. Um, I've dabbled with Unity a little bit. Um, I took a a week long code camp a couple years ago in Unreal Engine. But for me it's it's more about the the language that I need to use. And and really it's it's not about the engine. As as long as I I know the language I can make it happen. Um, just being at super social life, I've had to learn JavaScript, TypeScript, other industry technologies. But to kind of circle back to another question, what, why, why do I like systems engineering? I, I love learning new things and, and pushing myself. And so just because I don't know the platform doesn't mean I don't want to do it. I, I want to do it. I want to learn more. I think that's what keeps me going.
0: Definitely. So we, we've seen that word, the metaverse, thrown around more and more recently. Um, obviously, Roblox has been using it quite a bit for the past um, couple of years, and, and Facebook have changed their parent company name to Meta, um, as Mark Zuckerberg described his vision of the metaverse. And it seems like he wants a place for work, education, entertainment, and leisure, all, all in one sort of virtual connected world. Um, and David Bazuki at Roblox has been saying very similar things, uh, at least on the education and entertainment side, for a little while now, too. Do you think it will go as far as Meta says it will? And how do you think the games and experiences on Roblox and, and other platforms will create this change in everyday life?
1: I would love to preface this by saying that I do not agree with Facebook and Meta. I don't like that. Personally, I, I think that, that them changing their company to Meta is... Kind of almost taking credit for the metaverse because now everybody when they think of meta, they're going to think of formerly Facebook, right? So I'm not a big fan of of, of that, but I do agree with what meta is saying. I think is truly going to be that one size fits all place for whatever it needs to be. Before I was a systems engineer at Super Social, I was a commission based developer for three months for them, where I was tasked with creating a virtual headquarters um for their one year anniversary. And in that in that in that headquarters, I had created this this board. And it was more of a festivities board where um the the people at Super Social could go in and and write a little anecdote to celebrate one year and it would be written and on a whiteboard and and they could put it there. But that that little mechanic is kind of proof of what the metaverse can be. Right? Now that we have voice chat and and now that we have the tools to do whiteboards and stuff like that. I think that the metaverse will be exactly that. We have the opportunity to hold meetings in Roblox. We have the opportunity to teach people in Roblox. We have the opportunity to have fun in Roblox. And I think the metaverse in general, not just Roblox, is that. I think the idea is to replicate real life digitally, accept technology, and push it to its limits. And I think that that's completely possible, and that's definitely
0: the future and where we're going. Do you sort of see that as a responsibility or maybe more of an opportunity for robots developers being kind of up here at the forefront of the metaverse concept?
1: I'm not sure. that That's a good question. I think there's definitely a fine line between like a game developer and a metaverse developer, which I try I don't want to coin that term. Mm-hmm. But I think there's, there's definitely different things. I, I don't think necessarily making a game is part of the metaverse. I just think the metaverse is kind of like this term that encapsulates what you can do online. But I think it's more of just an, an option for developers to kind of dip their hand into into the metaverse. And I think I think the the moment you do that, you've you've created a system, for example, um going between games is part of the metaverse, I think. Um yeah, I, I don't think I don't think developers really have a, a responsibility to to work with the metaverse. I think it's more of an option.
0: Yeah, I, I think that makes sense.
1: I'd love to speak more on, like, on what the metaverse is. I think, you know, for some reason, Facebook or meta has, like, an obsession with virtual reality right now. And and they're, like, so engrossed in this idea that, like, oh, I'm going to put on a headset and I'm in the metaverse. Like, that's, I don't personally think that that's the future. VR is just not, I don't think it's there yet.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's quite matrix-like, sort of, their vision, isn't it? Where you enter, you, you enter this virtual space and you're, you're in there sort of as a whole rather than it necessarily just being on a screen or something in front of you.
1: Which I think, I definitely love VR and I, I think like the idea of like a ready player one-esque platform is definitely amazing, but I just think it's unrealistic. Um, and that's why I think companies like Meta are just, they're just trying too hard because like they don't have a product to ship. Like I don't, like what are they working on? Like what is their, Like, okay, they can tout Metaverse all they want, but like, what are they working on? And I think that's why Roblox is so important, because it really encapsulates what the Metaverse should be. You can play it on a phone, you can play it on an iPad, you can play it on a console, you can play it on a computer, or you could put the headset on and be in the world. You have these options, and I think that's what the Metaverse is. I should be able to take a meeting in a VR headset, but I should also be able to take it on a phone. I think Meta's vision for the metaverse is is not necessarily aligned with the reality of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's sort of all of those things at once, not just one of them. Right. What sort of are your plans with roblox in the future are you very much just working with super social at the moment or are you doing any sort of little spin-off hobby projects on the side where do you kind of see yourself with roblox
1: yeah i mean as much as i love systems engineering i still have a deep passion for roblox and the platform and you know i'm i'm kind of working on a side project right now but it's not really something that uh i'm pushing very hard it's just something to kind of fill the time but i don't know i think i think i've i've in a way moved on from roblox not as a whole for sure like definitely not as a whole but in a certain way I've, I've i think i've moved on from creating games uh i i really love cloud technologies um which is like i said what i do now and obviously that's m- Mm, this is gonna be controversial, but I think it's more of a sustainable career than ro- than just specifically Roblox. And so I I don't know. It's I, again again I have a deep passion for Roblox, and I would l- hate to say goodbye. But I do enjoy what I'm doing now.
0: Yeah, well, I, I think it makes sense to diversify a little bit anyway, and just pick up those other other skills. You know, long term, as you say, if. You needed to switch platforms or, you know, with Super Social going across multiple platforms, it's, it's good to definitely have more skills than just Roblox specific skills, I think.
1: Exactly. And, and when I mean like sustainability, I don't necessarily mean the sustainability of Roblox because obviously Roblox is not going anywhere anytime soon. But, you know, I was on the, the indie game dev grind for multiple years and, and just hopping from game to game to try to make money. And it's definitely hard because, you know, you have a game idea that you think is fantastic and then you ship it and it doesn't do very well. And then you're without money for a while. And I think when I say sustainability, I mean that, right? Because I'm an adult now. I have bills to pay and responsibilities. And like when I was younger, chasing games and just like, you know, oh, if it does well, whatever, if it doesn't do well, so what? Like that was fun. But now, you know, obviously I need to and I do I need to have a job and I need to make money. And and so really Doing what I'm doing now is is more sustainable than than just making games.
0: Yeah, well, I suppose it's the defining line, isn't it, between between um, a hobby and a career, or a hobby and a job? Is the hobby you're not too bothered about necessarily how successful it is, or how long it takes to be successful, or any of that. Um, whereas you you've got that added pressure with it being a job that you do have to maintain a sort of minimum minimum level of success to to as you say remain uh, afloat and sustainable
1: yeah and to kind of talk about that um you know for me the one thing that people might say and I've, I've answered this question before is you know do you and en- do you enjoy work and like for me like it honestly like straight up like I don't believe that what I'm doing is work I don't dread it I I, I enjoy it very much to the point where it is still a hobby for me. And, you know, there's that saying where, like, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life, right? And I fully believe that. And and that's what I, I tell this to encourage people to find something that you truly enjoy. And for me, it is programming, systems engineering, developing, whatever you want to call it. Um, And you know that you found it when you're bored, and that's what you do. And it's not out of something that you're like, oh, I have to meet this deadline. You just do it because you love to do it. That's where I'm at right now. Um, there's still a fear of burnout, right? You could burn out at some point. But for me, um, you know, I do not look at work as work. I enjoy it a lot. I have a fantastic time doing it. And that has only gotten more prominent moving to super social. It does not feel like any work. I just, I'm ecstatic in a way that I'm paid for what I love to do. And so that's, that would be my, my, my words of wisdom to, to anybody else is to, to find something that you can, Spend hours doing without even knowing it and do that and do that a lot because it's not very often Do people find something that they do that they truly enjoy?
0: Yeah I, I think that should be the goals sort or of the dream of anyone really regardless of their field
1: and unfortunately that's just like something in, a, in our in our culture that they're not, maybe not in our culture, but especially in American culture, that people hate their jobs, that it's like, oh, nine to five, like, oh, people hate it. And I just like think that that's such a bleak outlook on it. Like, you gotta like what you do. And, and fortunately, I found that very early and I knew that this is what I wanted to do from like a freshman in high school. So yeah, for me, it's, it's not that bad. But, uh, yeah, I think that definitely find something you enjoy.
0: Yeah. Well, it certainly sounds like it in terms of, you know, Roblox as a platform and how you see the platform. When you first joined, I assume, as a kid, similar to when I joined, it was kind of this magical place of of creative freedom. You know, it felt very magical. Do you still sort of get that feeling with Roblox when you're creating things on there? When you open a blank base plate and just create stuff? Does it still have that kind of magic feeling that it did as a kid?
1: I think it definitely it definitely does to a certain degree. I think that that there's always Especially for me, it's, it's not more of the base plate. It's more of when I, when I open a script, when I instance a new script and I open it and it just says print hello world. Like that, that screen is just like, all right, here we go. Like it's just like opening the doors to, to anything. And that's really for me something that's, that's been special. And it has stayed with me all these years is, is opening a new script and just. And you just know that whatever you write in here is going to be, is going to do something good. And that's just, that's just something that I, uh, that I definitely hold dear.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, th- I think that was what draws me to programming as a whole anyway, whether it's Roblox or, or making websites or whatever. Just starting with nothing, as you say, you start with an empty script and you just write and it is just you pouring sort of your brain onto the script and then it does something in the 3D world or it creates a website that people can interact with or whatever. It's it's a very cool feeling creating something from nothing. Well, that's all we have time for today. So thank you very much for joining us, Mr. Async. Is there anything you'd like our listeners to check out or any sort of sneak peeks of what's to come?
1: Definitely check out my Twitter. I'm working on posting a lot more tips, tricks, programming, things that I've learned over the years. Check out my website, MrAsync.com. It's my portfolio, my resume, get in touch with me, LinkedIn, yada, yada, yada. Uh, Check out Supersociallink.com and maybe there's a career for you waiting. I think a sneak peek of the future of Supersocial is stay on the lookout for new experiences coming soon and updates, amazing updates to current ones. uh, Because, you know, we're going to be rolling out some things that really are platform defining. So stay on the lookout for that. And uh, stand on the lookout, too, for just new games in general and new experiences on Roblox. Because there's a lot of cool things coming soon. Not just from Super Social, but just from in general. So just buckle in. It's about to get crazy. But I would like to thank Bantek for having me on the podcast and those listening in and those who will listen later. This has been awesome, and I hope to interact with you online in the metaverse at some point.
0: You're absolutely welcome anytime. So, you can find links to Mr. Async's social media and to Super Social in the description of this episode on YouTube. Beyond the Blocks is brought to you by Bantech Systems, a development studio on Roblox. You can support our media content to help us create more podcast episodes, as well as videos and live streams, by signing up to the Bantech Media Patreon page. Head to patreon.com forward slash Bantech for more information or watch our overview video on the Bantech Systems' YouTube channel to hear me explain what it is, why it's needed, and the different tiers that are available. Thank you to our executive producer, One Track Minded, for supporting us and for helping to produce our episodes alongside the Bantech Media team. And thank you for listening. I'll see you next time on Beyond the Blocks.